Dear Father, uh, Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for everyone here, Lord, and just help us receive what it is that you're speaking today. Or that you've, there's a reason that each of us is here. That you would remind us of that, Lord. Would you allow this to be a time where we can receive what it is you're trying to teach us? Lord, just work through me without me getting in the way, and that you would just bless this. Thank you so much. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so I got a question for you guys. You guys okay if I share an embarrassing story? However, it's not about me. It's not about AJ either. No, but uh, if, if he ever sees this, we'll see if he, how, how he reacts to it, but it's actually about my dad. So growing up, okay, those of you who have met my dad, if you haven't, I'll give you a little backstory. Very, very manly men's, men's man, man's man, right? He's been a mechanic his entire life, hunts, fishes, uh, I'm, he does everything, right? If, if, if your stereotypical dude does it or wants to do it, he's done it and or probably still does it, right? However, there was one thing growing up that I always got to kind of give him a hard time about. My dad loves Hallmark movies. I mean, loves them. There, there would be entire days, right? Especially because they're big around like Christmas, especially, right? But there, even through the summer, there'd be entire days where the TV was just Hallmark movies from like 8 a.m. until he went to bed that night. And the interesting thing about Hallmark movies, again, they're typically love stories. My dad is, is a big dude who works on cars, likes steak, shoots guns, and you can't get enough of Hallmark movies. So we always used to give him the hardest time about that, right? And the interesting thing about Hallmark movies is every single movie follows the same pattern. Every single one, all right? Let's, <laughs> so fancy business person moves to, a, moves, moves to New York City or something, some large city. Around the holidays or for whatever reason, they get sent back to their small little hometown, right? They, they find their old high school flame that they used to, they were almost falling in love with. They start to kind of fall in love again because he or she's very charming, right? Be like, hey, I, I work on trees now. I'm a lumberjack, right? And so she's like, oh, my gosh, right? But it's that, that same thing. And then at some point midway through the movie, he or she, they end up doing something dumb, right? He gets caught with, like, his ex or something or, like, but it's not actually what it looks like. And it's this whole big thing where now she hates him. She can't stand him. Right? And then there's this large, big jet gesture where he, he cuts down every tree in the forest and shapes it into, into a heart. And then now she's like, oh my gosh, I love you again, yay. And then, that, and then the movie ends, and they live happily ever after. Every single Hallmark movie. If you, any of you have ever watched one, you've seen them all, I promise. Okay? You don't got to watch anymore. Right? But they all follow that same exact pattern. The interesting part is, why do we enjoy that so much? Why did my dad love watching the same movie with different character names for 12 hours a day, right? And I know some of, pe some of the people in here have done it. And they suck you in. They really do. I've gotten caught up to them. I'm like, oh, yeah, Dad Hallmark movie. Wow. Right? And then you, and then you realize you're, you're four movies deep and your day's gone, right? But why does, that, why does that intrigue us so much, right? It's because at the end of the day, that relationship that those two people built, right, there's a beauty in it. There's a beauty that even though, you know, they spent 20 years apart while one was in the big city, there's a beauty in, in the fact that when, when they come back, they start to kind of fall in love again, 
And then despite whatever the big mess up is or the big argument that's caused, they still end up together. It's because at the end of the day, as, as humans, right, we, we want that type of relationship. We do. We want the relationship that's like that. A lot of us, myself included, I'm scared to admit that at times. Because that means getting hurt. Right? But at the end of the day, those two people in that Hallmark movie, they took, a, they took their relationship, it was broken, and then they were able to fix it. They were able to reconcile it. Right? Now, the word reconcile is very interesting to me. The, the section of scripture we're going to read today, it mentions it like five, six, seven, eight times. Right? So I was like, what, what is this actually defined as? Like, what, what does the word reconcile, what does that actually mean? What is that? Let's go ahead and throw that up. So reconcile is a verb. It means to make one account consistent with another, especially by allowing for transactions begun but not yet completed. Right? It's kind of long. It's kind of lengthy. A couple of the other definitions include to restore friendly re- relations. Cause to coexist in harmony, make her show to be compatible. All right, so all this is saying is that at the end of the day, there's something wrong that is being made right. All right, and it may not even be something that we've fully figured out yet. Right, but we're gonna be we're gonna be reading in Second Corinthians. All right, give you guys a little bit of backstory. It'll be Second Corinthians chapter five. Give you a little bit of backstory, youth kids who wrote Second Corinthians. Nice, thank you. One person. Wow, we do this every week at youth group. All right, usually I get I don't know who Corinthian, but no. Okay, Paul. Paul wrote Corinthians. It's a letter to the Corinthian church. All right, earlier on in this chapter, then we're going to start. He's talking about what the future holds. If I remember right, the the subtitle in my Bible even said something along the lines of like future after death or something like that. And you kind of go, right? But he's talking about how through all of that, we have an option for what lies before us after death. We have a choice in that. We have a choice in what happens after we die. He talks about, as well in this verse, how our bodies, we can feel it. We don't belong here. As Christians, once you've accepted Christ, you're different. Right? And we, we long for something that's more than what we have on this earth. There's a longing for it. It's that, it's that feeling you guys have had where you're staring up at the ceiling when it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep and you're going, what is this? This is it? There has to be more. It doesn't make sense. This would be all there is. It's that feeling. That's the feeling Paul's talking about in this, right? Which now we're going to jump in. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 17. All right? And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Old things have passed away, and look, New things have come. Everything is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Stop there. 
So you are new, right? He says right there in, for, in the very first thing, verse 17. If anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. You are made new when we accept Christ. The old, right, if we're made new, that means the old is no longer there. It's gone. When you are made new right, in Christ, you are made a saint. So all the old mistakes that we've made, if he is starting to reconcile that, right, and it means to make the account right between two parties, he's already started to make that right. And the interesting thing here is an, another way you can say the word ministry, right, especially when it comes to Christians, is that can be a job. It's a vocation. Right? It's something you do with your life. That's what a ministry is. It's a job you have to do. Right? So we're use some critical thinking here. If he's given us a job, a ministry, of reconciliation, if he's given us a job to make things right, that implies that we have a part in this. That implies that part of our job is to make things right with God. And then we move on to verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So once again, Paul is writing here, Paul reminds us that God has already done his part. He's made it right with us. God is already right with us. There's nothing we can do to fix that. Right? He, he's already done his part. He's no longer keeping track of the cost we accrue, the things we've done, and he's already forgiven the debt that we're in. Now, in here, verse 20, when, when he says... We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Right? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, when I read that, okay, he says, we are pleading with you. This is somewhere, I believe this is Paul, somewhere between a, a direct command and him, him crying out, like, please do this. Be right with God. Make it right with God. Because if not, the other option, if we're not right with God, it ain't fun. Without us making that relationship right, we cannot be with God. And remember, reconcile is a verb. Right? It means it's an action word. It means that if we are to reconcile with God, there's an action that has to be done on our part. There's a job right, a ministry, a vocation that has to be done from us. And then in verse 21, he said, he who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's the action we have to do. 
there's what we have to do, or that's what God did, so what do we have to do now? He sent Jesus not only as a way, he didn't just find a way to cover the cost, because that's what Jesus did, right? He took on the sin, so you don't have to, so I don't have to. Jesus took that sin. Not only that, not only did, did God pay the, pay the price, with, not only did Jesus pay the price, cover the cost, right? Because that, that would be good in and of itself, right? If God just covered, covered the cost of, of everything you've done up to the point you accept Christ, that, that'd be pretty awesome. But he goes a step further. He covers the cost of everything that you're going to do. And then, on top of covering the cost, he made a way for us to make it right with him. He provided a way to do that. It wasn't just, hey, everything is covered, you're good, go on and live. He said, no, 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 I'm going to take it a step more because of how much I love you. Here's your way back to me. Here's your way back. All you have to do is this. He made it simple for us, and yet we complicate it every day. Just like with the Hallmark movies, right? When, when the guy ends up doing something dumb or whatever, and the girl's like, oh, I don't like you anymore. He's like, what, what, what can I do to fix it? She's like, oh, no, just give me like a million dollars and give me your un, undivided attention every day for the next 50 years, and we'll call, it, we'll call it good. That's not what God does here. He says it's simple. It's easy. He's already covered the cost. So there's nothing else we can do to do that. That relationship that we, we have with him, he wants to make that right. He wants that. He wants a relationship with you. He truly does. If he didn't, why would he create you? If God didn't want a relationship with you, why would he make you? And yet, we still messed up. We said, yes, God made me. This is who I am. And as humans, we mess up. We do that big dumb mistake that makes the girl want to turn away or the guy turn away and never look at us again. We make the mistake that we hurt people close to us. We make the mistakes of hurting our families, friends. We make the mistakes of hurting ourselves. And God tells us that's not, that's not what you're meant for. That's not what you're here for. Because like I said earlier, go, go read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because it talks about this. It talks, Paul talks about we're, we're not supposed to be here. It doesn't feel right. I don't know about you guys, but I've had moments where I'm like, this, this can't be real. I don't, know, I, I don't know what's going on, but this doesn't make sense sometimes. But that's all part of it. When he created us, he knew we were going to mess up, yet he had hope and a, that we wouldn't. But yet he had a plan the whole time. It's one of those weird things about God we're never going to be able to fully understand this side of heaven. We, we won't. We're never going to fully understand how God could know we were going to reject him, yet still make us, love us, and then provide a way to do it. All right, Jericho? We are, we, Jericho and I have gotten into many heated, heated battles about this. He's like, I don't understand. I don't understand why, why would God do that? I'm like, you're going to have to take it up with him, man. I, I don't know. Right? The best answer I can come up with is just like those Hallmark movies. God wants us to choose him. 
There's other verses that even mention God is a jealous lover. He loves us so much that he, he wants us to pick him. He wants us so badly to go, yes, God, I love you. This is, this is everything I have. This is for you. He wants that so badly. That not only is he willing to overlook everything we've done, but provide a way to make it right. He wanted to pay the, pay the price. He wanted to cover our debts, cover the cost. Even before we were able to complete what we should do. Even before what you do, what you're supposed to do, he's already done that. The other interesting thing that I, I remember reading this a while ago, I, I couldn't tell you where it is. I might be able to find it later if you want to come talk to me. But there's verses about talking how Jesus paid a ransom. Right? Paid a ransom for us. Now, when you guys think of ransom, I don't know about you, but I think about hostages. Right? You think about the movies, and it's like, please send us $500 or she's gone forever. Right? That's what it is. When I think of ransom, that's what I think of. We're held hostage. We're held hostage in the weight of our own decisions. We're held there by the decisions we've made, decisions that we're going to make. But once again, at the end of the day, because of the cross and because of Jesus, we don't have to stay there. The cost has already been paid. The relationship between us and God is already fixed on his end. The bridge is already built. Are you going to walk it? That relationship is also a constant give and take. Right? Like Paul said there, we are his ambassadors. Right? When Paul's writing this, I think he's talking about him and the disciples. But if you're a follower of Christ, what are you? A disciple. So when, he's, when he says we, that means us too. It's not just Paul and his buddies who are like this elite group of, no, it's, he's talking about us. It's us, the we, the Christians, the people that have put their faith in Christ. That is the we. We are his ambassadors. That means when, when, when we go out and we talk to people, right, we represent him. That's an honor. It can be terrifying, I'm not going to lie, but that's an honor. We're, we, we get to be his mouthpieces of the people that don't know him. We get to be the light. We get, to be, we get to reflect his light and show people what he's actually about and who he actually is. Because he did make us. So we are direct reflections of who he is. We are direct reflections of who he is. He made us in his image. He made us to be like him. He made us to be in relationship with him. So I'm not going to lie. It's going to be a pretty short one today. But I don't know if there's much more that needs to be said. Mandy's going to come up and play some music. And here in a moment, you guys are going to have an opportunity. Because we have to remember that we need to make it right. We have to make it right. We're the ones that turned away from God, not he from us. We're the ones that choose sin. We're the ones that look at God and go, I, I don't want to do that. 
I think I know better. We do that. The cost is far too high. The cost for what, for what we've done, for what you've done, for what I've done is far too high for us. There's no good deed you can do on this earth that is going to cover what we deserve. And I mention it to my youth kids all the time. doesn't matter how many cookies you give to the homeless guy, how many times you walk an old lady across the street or take the trash out for your mom or whatever. None of it's good enough. Because the expectation is perfection. You are expected to be perfect. But God knew we weren't going to be. He knew we weren't going to be. So in the midst of our sin, he sent a savior. He sent someone down and goes, listen, I know you guys need help. Here, take this. All you have to do is, to, is accept it. He's holding it out for you. If, if I was standing up here holding out a $50 bill and then just said, hey, whoever wants it, wants it, I bet your bottom dollar, most of you are going to be come, running up here and pushing people out of the way on your way up. That's what God's doing. He said, here, take it. All you got to do is get up and get it. You ain't got to do anything special. All you got to do is come up here, grab this, grab this, and it's yours. It's already there. But if we are going to take action, if we are going to reconcile with God, we have to do something about it. All we have to do is just go get it. And the thing is, that's pretty simple. Even getting up to getting it is pretty simple. Confess with your lips. I mean, say it and believe in your heart. You have to believe it that Christ, Jesus Christ, died for your sins. Because he did. Jesus was a real man. Historical fact. He lived a perfect life. Fact. He died on a cross. Fact. Bunch of weird, crazy things happened when he died on the cross. Also historical fact. And three days later, he rose again. Fact. Over 500 witnesses saw that. There, there are Roman historians, Jewish historians, people that don't benefit at all from Jesus being who he said he was that said, this dude was miraculous. God built the bridge through Jesus because we can never be with him as we are. He said, all you have to do is accept him. And when that moment comes, right, Paul warns us. He says, listen, there's going to come a time when your time on this earth ends. There's a future after your death. It doesn't end there. See, when that happens, we're all going to be judged. We all will be. You'll have to stand before God and give an account about what you did on this earth. Here are your options. Remember, the expectation is perfection. So your options are you, you can try to convince God that you were perfect your entire life. You weren't. Or when you accept Christ, he goes before you. He stands between you, stands between God, and says, no, 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 they're with me. Look at me. Look at my life. Because he did live a perfect life. 
here in just a moment, you guys are going to have an opportunity. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you and for you for whatever you need. If there's something you need to let go of because you continue to just clench on as hard as you can to because you don't want to let go, even though you know God's calling you to, or if you're one of the people you've never accepted Christ, you've never made that commitment, these people up here are willing to pray that with you too. Anything and everything you need. At the end of the day, it's on you to reconcile, to make these things right. God's already done his part. He loves you so much, he did it, and then he left you a way to come to him. So just like with the $50 bill, you can either sit there and wish you had $50, wish you had a way to live that was better for you. You can wish that life somehow had meaning, that it all made sense, or you can stand up, walk, and do something about it. He loves you so much, he's not going to force anyone to do it. He won't. That's how much he loves you. It's crazy. We, we can't fathom that. God loves you so much, he's not going to force you to do it. It's not true love, but he wants you to. He gave you free will to choose him. He loves you so much, he sent his son to die a horrible death. Do you love him enough to stand up and walk 20 feet forward? I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty, pretty good deal. Take this time seriously. Because if you leave as the same you came in today, that's your choice. That's the action you decided to take.